five, four, three, two, one. You are listening to the Mango Tea Podcast with Jody and DK. We are a nonpartisan Jamaican and Caribbean podcast for the diaspora. We give you tea with a slice of mango mm. and information on current events, politics and politics, finance, sports, and culture. We created this podcast for the diaspora to know what's happening in the Caribbean beyond the gossip. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Mango Tea Podcast. It's just Jody today. Dakari can't make it. But I have a very special guest on the podcast today. We met in a group called Whatless. He's more Whatless, I am not. Uh, we became friends, but he's taught me a lot about, he has very interesting insights and he's taught me a lot about Nigeria. My friend Dom is with us today. Welcome, Dom. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, Dom, what can you tell the people who you are, what you do, what your socials are, and your favorite mango? This is Dominic Ross Hanu. Um, my social media handles on Instagram and Twitter are DMNCRSS. Um, you can link me there. I work in local government. I am a program manager for uh, performance measures and data analytics that uh, correlate to finance. Um, I do a lot. I do video editing. I build dashboards. I'm all over the place. I draw, I paint. So yeah, you know, I'm an influencer per se sometimes when I feel like it. Um, you feel like it, right. <laughs> like, um, other than that, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just, you know, yeah, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. So, Dom, what's your favorite tea? Um, my favorite tea would have to be chamomile. Chamomile. So do you drink it before mm-hmm. bed, or is it just anytime, any day? Anytime, any day. Um, it just it relaxes me. Um, it like kind of like calms me down, helps me uh, maintain a clear. Mind, mm-hmm. You know, so okay. I, I love it. Do you it. put my anything? Mind. Huh? Just honey. Just honey. Okay. Okay. No one has ever mentioned chamomile. I think you're the you're the second, third, fourth non West Indian on the podcast, and you're the first one to say chamomile. Yes. Okay. Uh, so everyone, we've been talking for the past two episodes. We've been talking about Nigeria. We've talked. We've talking about SARS. We've been giving our support to the Nigerian people. So we thought that we should bring on our friend Dom um, from Nigeria, of Nigerian descent within the diaspora to talk about what's going on in Nigeria today. I know that if you, I don't know, if you're not watching television, if you're not on social media, uh, we're going to be talking about SARS, the special anti-robbery squad in Nigeria, what's going on there, why why we need to end SARS, and what's causing the uprising. So we, we didn't want to give you half-assed information. So we figured we'll bring an expert on. And he's very, very Nigerian. He figured out what tribe I'm from uh, once. What, what was it? Igbo? Yeah, yeah, Igbo. Igbo, okay. Okay. So see, this is this is the level. This is why we brought him on. He's that much of an expert. Uh, <laughs> that much. 
So before we jump into our interview with Dom, I wanted to do a spotlight moment for Talawa Inde Modakant. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> I'm getting better at that. <laughs> um, so today we're going to highlight Christophe Melou. He's a 12-year-old boy and he just made history. He swam from St. Lucia to, to Guadeloupe. Martinique. Oh. To Martinique. Yes, to Martinique. Apologies. Yep. And, and he did it to raise, raise awareness for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. His mother, unfortunately, is battling um, breast cancer right now. He swam 13 hours, 50 minutes, and 47 seconds. And that is amazing. I don't even, I don't even know how to swim. I can't even ride a bike. <laughs> and the fact that this 12-year-old boy is out here swimming for 14 hours, listen, if this isn't Talawa, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Um, and along the journey with him, of course, he had people. He didn't just swim 14 hours alone. He had his family, EMT, and a bunch of other people that were there supporting him, including a former swimming world champion. So, Christophe, we salute you. All right, so we started with something bright, and now we're jumping in. So, Sars. So it's all over social media. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it was like, a, it was around Nigerian Independence Day a few weeks ago that I saw it. And I was like, what the heck is stars? And then I've been reading a lot of articles about it online, um, watching videos, all this. But for us, we don't like looking at articles. We really like to know what's happening so we can give our listeners a more authentic view. So, Dom, what the hell is happening in Nigeria? A revolution is taking place right now in Nigeria. Um, what a lot of people don't know is a lot of people, the first thing that, that happened with social media is um, InSARS was trending first on Twitter. Um, and when it jumped into Facebook and Instagram, the hashtag was actually being blocked uh, because of some type of automated fact checkers with Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to hashtag InSARS, your stories were very limited. So normally in my stories, I have, you know, between 150 and 200 viewers and as a, the more I spoke about you know ending SARS it became 10 people 30 people 15 people and I think these were people mm -hmm. who ended stories so first thing um, there hasn't been a lot because and I don't know if it was intentional or if it was a mistake but because of Facebook and Instagram that's how we as millennials have, have grown up communicating with each other there hasn't mm -hmm. been as much attention to it even though it's uh in SARS is trending worldwide now. Um, but to talk about SARS in the 90s, um, at one point in time, there were some really bad boys in Nigeria um, and the okay. police force was really strong at that point and dominant. And their dominance, I believe that the police force believed that they could bully around anyone. And so the Nigerian military and the police force are two different groups. That's what most people don't understand. They are not the same. Um, mm -hmm. The police group were trying to intimidate the Nigerian military, and it ended up becoming a small internal conflict where weapons were drawn and fires were shot at each other. And the Nigerian police actually retreated and the military passed so, through. So 
is this what's happening now? It is not. This is only the beginning to what is leading up to now. So okay. once so the wait, military... so was this at was this the when with SARS proper became um, established in ninety two? Yes. Is this yeah. okay, this was the leading to the creation? Okay. Yes. So in in that creation, uh, well, prior to that creation, once the military had passed through uh, where they needed to, there was a need for police because at that point in time, Nigeria really then did become lawless. Uh, you have a lot of um, infamous um, people, Nigerian people who were robbing, you know, everyone. And so at that point in time, because of all the robberies, that was SARS' intention to bring the police back to stop the robberies. And that's why you have the special anti-robbery squad who are, you know, kind of heavily militarized police. Okay. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. So there was a Nigerian civil war and for two years um, in the late 60s, early 70s. And that was, no, the Biafra War? Yeah. Biafra was like a few years after Nigeria was a country. Really? Wait. Yeah. I think it was like 63 or something or something. Yeah, it was um, 67 to 70. Ah, but. <laughs> We're good. That- We're good. All right. So did the, so backtracking for everyone, the Biafra War was essentially the Nigerian Civil War. And it Mm -hmm. was, it's a geological, geographical um, war, basically. So from the, it was tribal war, tribal. Okay. It was tribal. It was tribal. Okay. Okay. Flip flop. All right. So it was tribal. Did any, any, um, from the effects post-war, is, did any of the any of the result or byproducts of that war trickle down to the creation of SARS? Um, no. Okay, so it's completely unrelated. Okay. Unrelated. Um, I think a lot of people are trying to find a correlation between the two, but it's not really in existence. Um, with the Biafran War, that was pretty much the dominant southern tribe Igbo uh, creating their own type of government and seceding from Nigeria. Um, and Nigeria's dominant two are the Hausa and Yoruba tribes. Although there are like 400 plus spoken languages and tribes and are like the three biggest of all. Um, okay. And that war had to do, you know, not just with, uh, you know, government structure. It had to deal with political beliefs. It had to deal with uh, religious persecutions. It had to deal with um, the ongoing tensions between bad neighbors. Okay. That's where okay. people were bad neighbors to each other. Um, and as a result, uh, where the people that I come from ended up losing the war. Um, as you know, it was one of the biggest um, death tolls uh, for African war in, in history, period. Um, but fast forwarding into the 90s, the two are not connected. Okay. Um, okay. So with SARS, like I was saying before, SARS was pretty much there to protect everyone from the bad guys who, um, whether they were robbing a grocery store or robbing you on street gunpoint with gangs, because um, in the 80s and 90s, this is when you start to see, you know, just mobile gangs starting to form um, in Nigeria. So to this date, if we fought back three years, SARS was disbanded in 2007. A lot of people don't know that. It was disbanded three more times. Almost annually, every year, 2018, 2019, and now 2020, SARS has been disbanded again. Wait, it was disbanded under the same name SARS, or did they like disband it and call it something else? Or it's, it's always no. been SARS. Why? It's always been SARS. 
why? So every time they broke it up, they put it back together. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is it like a public? Is it like a cycle? Is it like a public outcry? And it crime happens, bring it back that cycle. Yep, um, but not so much that crime really, really happened. It's just the simple fact of the government that we have is very still operating on colonial ways. To me, in my opinion, it's based on the affluent versus the common wealth of the people, um, and you see that in the old history and old colonialism days, and in, in the UK and Spain and France. Those who are affluent had the most power. Even if they weren't of royal blood, they would get certain things because you know, you know, they could pay the taxes. They could. Mm-hmm give benefits. So in a sense, although Nigeria is supposed to be a democracy right now, the way we have noticed it being run is that the affluent continue to become more affluent, but they are also not taking care of the people at all, at all, even the police. And because the Nigerian government has not taken care of the police, the police have had to take care of themselves. So the very thing the police was supposed to be protecting my family and friends from, the police, the SARS unit in particular, has become. Okay. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's not a joke either. A lot of people are like, what do you mean? And it's just like, well, if you knew how much a SARS police officer made annually in United States dollars, let's talk about $1,056. A month? Or, oh, sh- oh, excuse me. Wow. Wow. Annually. So they have to supplement so, it. So that's for my harassment and and uh, mistreating, uh, in particular the youth. So it will be you and I, the millennials, maybe some young Gen Xers, but mm-hmm. for the most part, you and I, um, to this point, to to where there's been a we can take no more. Because um, what's interesting is I, for the year of return in Ghana, I was going to go. Um, I was going to go, but then I saw the flight prices and I said, bloop. Um, and then I was like, well, I wanted to go in 2020 and I was thinking of doing Nigeria some way and then going to Ghana. And one of my friends said, absolutely not. Do not go to Nigeria. You will get robbed. You'll definitely get robbed. You'll get stopped. You have to pay bribes, everything. And I'm like, Whatever. She's probably over exaggerating. She doesn't really love Nigerians. She didn't love jollof Nigerian jollof rice. Maybe that's the reason. <laughs> maybe I was like, maybe that's the reason. She doesn't like the rice. She's not too fond of people. Maybe that's it. But from recent events, it's it's true. It's true. And then I also want to note one more thing is this is also very similar to the Caribbean as well in certain aspects. For instance, in Jamaica, in the 1990s, well, my youth, if you were driving a certain place and you were pulled over by the cop, yo, if you and you were speeding, quote unquote speeding, they'd be like, if you, I'm going to give you a ticket for $10,000 and you have to go to court and it's going to take a t- long time. If you give me 9000 I'll let you go. So was it, is it something, I feel like it's worse than that over there then from based on what you're saying. It's not even that. That's a, to me, that's a, that's a, a, a normal bribe. The bribe in, in Nigeria with, with SARS police is more so like you can be driving, you can be walking down the street. Well, what people need to understand is, do you have a nose? Yes. Jody, you have a nose. Do you have two hands? Yes, you have two hands. You can be stopped by SARS just because. And not only that, if your clothes are too tight. So me, I wear fitted clothes. I would I would be stopped by the by SARS. If you have an iPhone or a nice looking phone, I would be stopped by SARS. If so you my drive, nice Android? 
Yes, you would be stopped. If you have a laptop, you would be stopped. If you have a car that doesn't look raggedy, you would be stopped. Um, you know, if you look like you have money, you will be stopped. Wearing chains, jewelry, earrings, if you have tattoos, everything that I that you see that I encompass is a reason for me to be stopped. And it's not so much, you know, um, I'll easily get away, give me some money. You can do that when you have a group of people and you're driving mm-hmm. through a group of people. Oh, what are y'all doing? You know, if it's long as it's more than two, say you should be successful in bribing them, you know, passing some money and, and going about your way. But one-on-one or, or just two of you may be more difficult. And there are far too many stories of, of people being beat because they couldn't pay bribes, uh, people being beat because they are... Um, gay or lesbian uh, women, a lot of women have been uh, molested and raped by SARS. And when we are talking about a lot, all of these people that we are speaking of, majority are the youth. And there is this stigma from uh, many of the elders and leadership in Nigeria where they call us lazy youth. And that's a very, a very difficult thing to accept because if we were lazy youth, Nigeria wouldn't trend for Afrobeats. Nigeria, you know, wouldn't have some of the best dancers on stage. And interest from Beyonce to to come and learn about our culture. Um, and no, no expanding economy, right? No expanding economy. Because I was reading an article where it said that the reason for an uptick in Nigerian, um, the Nigerian economy is people from the diaspora in the UK, the US, sending money back, investing in the country, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that, that is the truth, too. And Wait. the other thing is, uh-huh. oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're, you're the guest. <laughs> I was just going to say the the other thing is that because we live in a digital world, for some reason, the leadership in SARS is hard for them to understand that the digital way is how we can make legal money without doing illegal things. We don't have to be a Yahoo boy. We don't have to do 419 to, to make good money. We can do Bitcoin. We can do Forex. We can do trading. Um, we can do, you know, video production. We can do uh, social media influencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many different things. Uh, you can, uh, we can do virtual and cultural advices for people coming. You know, we can do concierge services all through the power of online marketing. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's hard for, for them to understand that. So in a, not only in addition, you know, to those things we discussed of why you could be arrested by SARS, but there is a, a heavy heavy dislike for anyone who does scamming in Nigeria, because that is what, you know, everybody says, oh, Nigerians are scammers. That's not all true. There are plenty of them, but the plenty of them are not majority of the people. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, you know, my dad is a freaking mathematical engineer and almost every, every Nigerian that I know has either just a bachelor's and they're very successful or they have multiple degrees, especially here in America. They have a bachelor's, a master's, a doctor's, and they're at the top of their game and what they do. Um, so was that like a reason why they justify SARS? Like, cause you said they've been, it's been up, they've been disbanded, they've recreated it. Do they justify the, the, the recreation of SARS? SARS is always justified through the protection of the people always that's that's just it flat out <laughs> there is there is no no other thing like even just now uh, after independence day sars was uh disbanded recently and as soon as it came out it became swat yes yeah, special weapons and tactics unit so okay so you have 
<laughs> I mean, it's very, I think it's it's very similar over here too. Like they have, what do they disband? And then they replace something with it. I feel like it happens all the time. I can't think about it here. I can't think of it here, but it happens all the time. Like with the financial crisis, with um, credit default swaps mm-hmm. that got, that got canceled and then they came up with a new term for the same exact thing but okay so what percentage so you have the police force you have the military force what percentage of the police force are members of SARS I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you the answer to that um but SARS SARS is a is a very large part of the police force you'll notice the police force those in police um I would call them, consider them like normal on a, on a working level, like in local government, you have your chief of police and all your assistant chiefs and like your sergeants and all of those rankings. You'll see them all in blue, right? They're running the jails and everything like that. SARS look just like me, except in a black uniform. Got it. And not, got even, it, got not it. even decked out how they should be like standard police. SARS is, was almost like an undercover unit when it first started out, then they needed to be identified. And so they wear all black, but there is no dignity to me in, in my mind and, and that group uh-huh. in itself. Mm. So I have, my mind is swirling and you know how my mind works. I have ideas and questions in it all the time. So my first question is, where is the military in all this? <laughs> so um, as you know, 20th of October, 2020, uh, Unfortunately, there was a countrywide massacre. It was not just at the Lecky toll gate where the military and the police came and barricaded the Lecky toll gate, trapping protesters inside those barricades. Um, lights were turned off. The governor of Lagos was saying that cameras were not removed from the area. He said that private security came to remove laser cameras that would scan your tag on your car to let your car go through the toll, uh, which I can, I've seen those type of cameras before, but still, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say. Uh, he's saying that those cameras weren't security cameras, but the problem is um, Nigerian um, government had NIPA turn off the electricity. So and NIPA is an electricity company, right? Yes. So you blocked the road. You took away the laser cameras, which which scan people's toll toll tags, right? You then have the military advance towards the people, then you cut the power. So the world can no longer see what is going on. But thank God we are millennials and Gen Z, the power of- Always resourceful. And there are so many videos that show military police and SARS, well, not military police, but the military and SARS police shooting at the protesters, shooting protesters who were sitting down shooting protesters who were proudly waving our country flag, being peaceful, using their voice, demanding justice and rights. And um, it's just because I, I can't want, imagine. Like, do you want to take a moment or you're good? I'm good. I was just going to say, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a leader because I work in government. I'm, I'm very sensitive to this, you know, because I, I, I'm a black man in America, but I'm so much more than just a black man. And I could never justify or stand with or agree with what happened there. In Abuja, people have been, you know, killed in Inugu and Abia. And it's just, it's just it's just really sad. And then the president, first of all, the first thing that was insulting is the governor of Lagos saying that there were no 
casualties, which is a blatant lie. We have videos of protesters who were dancing to music peacefully. And at that toll gate, when, when bullets begin to be, those protesters have died. Yeah. Video and pictures, identifiable. We're thankful for DJ Switch. She is a hero. Mm -hmm. She was providing medical aid, telling people to duck, to get down. She covered people, a guy covered her, and that guy passed away. Goodness, wow. Um, so, you know, that, that's just really disappointing. And then Buhari, I can't wrap my brain around this guy. So that's the Nigerian president, President Buhara. Buhari. I was Buhari. So I know before this, he had made headlines because no one knew where he was. Apparently he was in the UK getting medical help for something that they haven't publicized. He's kind of been in the dark from what I've been sensing and hasn't been saying anything. And it seems noticed. No, he said something. Continue. I'm listening. Oh, it seems like it's, it seemed to be honest. It seems like no one is saying anything. Like you see, like from what I've seen, I've seen, and I watch, I listen, I, I get my information from the most reliable sources in, in the world, the BBC and some other sources as well. But there hasn't really been any public statements from any high ranking officials about this. So it's, it's, it's a wonder, like, is this, and it looks terrible to like the international community where you're having these protests, you're having these hashtags, you're seeing things in social media, but people from the highest level of government are seeing anything. Um, yeah, he just recently it's addressed us yesterday or two days ago, I can't remember, um, where he was, he acknowledged the protests and then um, he said something crazy, almost like Donald Trump. He said, um, I think the protesters have uh, underestimated the power of the Nigerian government, which is basically a threat. Yeah. said uh, that there were plans to bring 100 million Nigerians out of poverty over the next 10 years. And it's just like, you've been in office this long. Why the next 10 years? Because the 20 years before the government has been chilling and you just added more chilling onto that. Just vibes, yeah. you know, just the president, you're not really doing anything. You know, you don't stand up for us. We have the worst entry conditions into America now. <laughs> it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, okay. it's interesting. And then on top of that, I don't know if you saw also yesterday, but uh, in Lagos, as you know, Nigeria has been receiving COVID um, assistance and pallets when I say pallets, tons of pallets in government uh, locked buildings have been discovered by the people of food they could have been having. I cannot. Yeah. So it's basically open war. Mm -hmm. It's an, So I remember you told me that this is basically we're on the brink of a civil war. I think we're already there based on what you said. If And if we are going into civil war and that is not where either side wants to go. But it will be the 95% versus the 5%. The 5% control the country and the 5% are all the elders. And the 95% are the younger Gen X, all the millennials and the Gen Zs who control the voting and the power to get people in office. So you are killing the people who put you in place. How do you think those people feel? Would I vote for you again? Everybody's saying Absolutely. 2023 is coming, it's time. Okay, but so that's when your next general election is. Okay. Mm, well, the problem do is they, we don't have time for 2023. So yeah. is Nigeria's political system, is it similar to 
the American political system where there's set dates for elections? Or yeah. can we call that? Okay. It's set dates. Uh, the problem there are like a number of political parties in Nigeria. And there's also the problem of religion inside of political parties and also within political parties too. It seems like, I'm trying to relate it back to the Caribbean audience. It seems like not what Nigeria's, what's happening in Nigeria in terms of its politics is like everything in the, in the Caribbean in one, if it were all one big ass country. Okay, wow. So one thing I wanna know, has there been anything from China? Because China has, China owns Africa and they build the African Union, all this. Has there been any, or has there been anything from the, the United States or China or the UK? Um, well, as you know, Nigeria was colonized by Spain and in, in the UK. A lot of the things that you think are Nigerian words are not. <laughs> okay. um, but there is a strong interest in, in international relations with the UK. Strongest relations, I would say we have there. There's been an, an, an influx of uh, Chinese immigrants in Nigeria who now speak Igbo and Yoruba and Hausaian is so crazy. And like, oh. Listen, you adapt, you adapt and you adapt but or die. There, the international relations, we believe that there has been money taken from China. I would have to go and, and look through Nigeria years and, and see about international relations and things. But it makes no sense why there has been so much Chinese influence, um, especially in where, where, where you would call like, you know, the village parts of, of Lagos and, and even in Abuja and these other states where you see like a Chinese factory or where they are, the Chinese are, are hiring their own people. And they're doing the same thing in Ghana too. It's, not, it's kind of funny. And Jamaica um, and Trinidad. And, and so you see them, but you see how China is treating us in China. When, when COVID broke out, the Chinese kicked all the Nigerians out of their housing out. Okay. And, um, you know, fortunately, uh, the I can't even think of the guy's name, but it's like international. I, I would call him an ambassador of such, of such uh, between Nigeria and China came and, and uh, was Nigerians back home. Um, and getting their passports and things back and working to get their money because they had paid like six months. Imagine paying six months rent in it or a year's rent in advance. Hmm. You know? Hey, give me my money back, Joe. So another thing too, because again, you know I'm a nerd. You know I do random ass research. So in terms of pre-COVID population projections, sub-Saharan Africa, so that they consider that like from Ghana, Nigeria, Mali, all the way to Kenya. They consider mm -hmm. that region, they're projected to be the most populous, um, it's projected to be the most populous region in the world by mm -hmm. 2050. And this is led by the amount of youth that's currently in that region. Because Nigeria has a huge, huge, huge um, youth population. I think between like, I think it was like 14 to 35, 35, I can't remember my research now, but the, that's a huge, 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 huge um, uh, figure into 2025. Based on what's going on right now with the uprising of the youth in Nigeria, with the projection of where ni the Nigerian population is going to go, thinking about like COVID, thinking about economy, thinking about the influence that Nigeria has given to the world, um, in addition, yep, has given to the world. Where do you where do you see this all going? Um, well, 
you know, there are only two things that can happen. This situation doesn't just magically go away. Um, you know, there's going to be either Buhari and, you know, vice president, council, they're either going to step up and do the job or the people will be disgruntled and they will keep protesting. And eventually it will be a civil war. But this time it will be Nigeria versus Nigeria leadership. Um, and with that population, unfortunately, because of the lack of education, um, especially in the rural areas when it comes to um, contraceptives and, you know, just being aware of, of how you want to see yourself in the future, children are going to bear children. Because if you think about what else is there to do, if you don't have access to education and books and all you have access to is social socialization and the socialization is like, yeah, we just had to go loot someplace or we're just out here yeah. hustling on the street, you know, trying to, you know, fruit here, you know, the next thing that you see is, oh, that's a, that's a girl. She's cute. Oh, that's a guy. He's cute. And mm -hmm. slide in the DM. Yeah, or that's no DMs. A lot of them don't. Um, that's just in person. And one child plus one child equals another child or two child children. Um, you know, and then you have a lot of that. Unfortunately, mo uh, one of the things that people don't understand when they say like, oh, in America, uh, Nigerians are, are the most educated um, African American group in the country. That's not. Sorry, my dog is uh, beneath. <laughs> He's upset. He's like, wrap it up. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's not just a, a pride thing. It's a it's a hustle thing. When you finally get to visit Lagos, you will see, you know, uh, on times once you, especially once you cross, you know, Lucky Bridge and you like, you know, the areas where you saw like most of the people going for uh, on December, uh, you will see that um, there's a lot of hustling and you have to have that mentality there in order to survive. You cannot genuinely really be a lazy youth in Nigeria or you would die. You got to figure out some way to get it. Um, and so if you are blessed with the opportunity to go to the UK, go to you know Ireland or Spain or come to the United States, you take that opportunity very seriously. And mm -hmm. people like me who are born here in America are, are blessed to have sacrifice. But there are so many of us who are there and still need our help, which is, you know, for us, why it's so important to why we strive here and why we stay connected with our families there to get them out. If the government is not going to do it. The people will. So what can be done? What can be salvaged from all this? Like, what can, what can be done? What can be done short term? Because we talked about projections long term, right? What do you see? And well, hold on. Let me rephrase that question. So we talked about long term. We talked about short term, and it's both of them look like it's a war. Um, I yeah. think I think what we can do in the short term is we can. This was this was if President Buhari and and the VP and everyone else. This is if they really took government serious. This is my passion as an elected official. You should not be, in my mind, you are not really the CEO unless that's how your government is set up. The CEO is generally the person who knows how to expend, you know, the money, who knows how to allocate things, who knows how to use uh, those financial resources 
to implement them into uh, programs and services to better the people, right? Their salaries are way inflated and they continue to get paid afterwards. And those people in government, their families are well, 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 well taken care of, but the people are not. And that that is the problem. It's not like, you know, here where every, I think, uh, I don't know if you saw like what the mayor of Dallas was trying to cut regular employee salaries, which made no freaking sense at all. Uh, I was like, well, that's why you're a mayor and you're an elected official and you're not actually a city manager because you have at times dumb ideas that you try to pass off, not realizing that you'll actually hurt people more so than you will help people. They need to look at salaries. They need to cut people's salaries significantly, especially those top ranking high officials. There's no way that you should be making more money than you know, the president of the United States of America. Because it's not really like you're a foreign, yeah, it's not really like you're a foreign, uh, a foreign, uh, foreign expert and not, not foreign expert, but foreign policy expert or even a Nigerian policy expert. It is an yeah. elected official chosen to lead the people. That blows my mind. And they sit up and, you know, they just sit in these, these sessions all day and, and nothing ever comes to pass except more hurt for the people. So we'll, we'll have to realign the budget. We'll have to, there needs to be definitely a separation of how we police. There needs to be firm, firm, firm creation of facilities with modern amenities. Nigeria needs working electricity. Why is the power out all the time? And Nigeria is an oil producing country, right? Yes. So you guys have the same issue as Ghana, essentially. No, because they have electricity. Okay. That they started from our electricity. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we're so you're you're a city official. You have it all together. Sometimes. <laughs> but you have it all you have you have thoughts. So you work in city management now. Um and I know that of course you're a millennial, you wanna go higher. Do you see yourself going to Nigeria in the future um, or working in government in Nigeria? Is that a goal? You don't have to say it if it's like you're trying to manifest it. But what are, what's, what are you thinking? What can you say on the podcast without like ruining your manifestation? Uh, so one of the things that you should know is I'm currently, you know, a member under ICMA, which is an International City County Managers Association. And mm-hmm. we're not really involved in politics. Uh, we do the job of public administration and we basically administrate the policies that politicians pass and we try to do them fairly, ethically, morally, the best way we can without hurting anyone. So that's where I'm at. That's why I love government so much, because that's that side that people don't see. Everybody sees Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They don't see, you know, the executive administrator. You know, they don't see the people under them who are actually the subject matter experts who are actually doing the work to get things passed, to get to the state, to get to the county and city local levels for funding. People don't see that. And then they people then don't turn around and see whether it's a mayor, a strong mayor like New York and Atlanta, or if it's a mayor council like, you know, like Dallas, people don't see the people underneath those top executives like me who do the work. Um, so okay. If I were to go to Nigeria, I would pray and hope that there is a system in place to where we have administrators where we can sit down and talk about how best to do things, Um, not just planning, but actually implementing them, working with project managers. There are PMPs in Nigeria, working with engineers, 
There are engineers there working working with the best minds to do that. That's what we need. We need that cohesiveness and togetherness of, of, of the community and different respective industries to come together to build Nigeria as one. If I could be a part of that, I would love to be a part of that. Until then, I will be a, a touristing resident. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone a part of the diaspora is. That's why we created this. We're touristing residents. Yes. Oh man, this is really helpful because there's just I actually had to take a social media break because like with what's happening in Nigeria, what's happening in the Caribbean, what's happening in the US, the elections coming up, it's a lot. It's a lot. So I figure I thank you so much for doing a debrief essentially on what SARS is, how crazy they are and the implications that it has for Nigeria. Yeah. Um, but before we um, we wrap up, I just have one more question to ask you um, mm -hmm. and just mentally prepare yourself. Um, what's your favorite mango? My favorite mango, probably Jamaican mangoes. Yeah. Um, I always tell people, I was like, if I wasn't Nigerian originally, Growing up yeah. in affluence outside of um, my mother's side and my father's side, I've always had a Jamaican, some type of Jamaican mother. And they would always be bringing mango. Oh, where did you get this from? Oh, somebody, you know, ship it from Jamaica. And so, yeah. and it's so crazy from, from since I was a youth in Atlanta, uh, Miss Winnie, I mean, she had everything. She, she cooking and, and all of that. You don't know her. Everybody says they know her. You don't know her. <laughs> you don't know I her. I know like I know like ten Miss Winnies. <laughs> ten Miss Winnies. Yo, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I've met at different periods of like, wow, Miss Winnie. Wait. Okay, Miss Winnie. All right. So shout out to Miss Winnie. So if you weren't Nigerian, you'd be Jamaican. I would be Got a Jamaican. It. I have Miss Winnie. I have my close friend Bevany. Um mm -hmm. she's down in Florida. I have Miss Yvonne, when I moved to Florida on my own, she was there looking out for me, another Jamaican woman. Um, just the the culture, when I first heard Caribbean music, the first music I heard was reggae, you know. And your favorite and artist, Vibes Cartel? Vibes, by far, <laughs> by far. Man, the first time I heard Vibes Cartel was 2005. I, I, don't, I don't know, I know he was around before then, but you know, I'm not a Jamaican. But uh, one of my friends, shout out to um, Jalion. Um, he's actually one of the DJs for Ricky Smiley. Um, but he was like, oh, you need to hear this. He's from VI. And he he played that, uh, What I can't think of what the album is called right now, but Carman is on that album. And I was just like, you know, I'm already a, a millennial, so I'm familiar with that uh, Eddie Murphy. I can't even think of the movie, but... And then Vibes Cartel drops on, and my mind just like blew. It was, and I was like, Black Cartel, right? Two thousand five. Yes, it was. Yeah, Black Cartel. Yeah, guys. The reason why I brought up Vibes Cartel is because Dom and I have had many debates about Vibes. Many debates. Too much. Oh my goodness! I just had a great idea. Um, can or third co-host. She is a Vibes Cartel enthusiast. 
So I'm thinking for his birthday next year, we just have all the enthusiasts on and you guys can go off about how much you love him. Go on about the court case. We talked about it a few episodes ago. Yeah. Look look for that. Look for that um that email that I'm sending. Okay. Well done. Thank you so much for joining our program. We really appreciate you. We appreciate you for the history lesson. I'm proud. Dom doesn't know this yet, but I'm probably going to bring him back. We're going to bring him back on the podcast because I trust me when I say Dom is like the wise man. Like he's young, he's a millennial, but he's the wise man. He he dropped some gems on me that like I think he dropped one line on me about Nigeria, and then I just went deep dive, <laughs> deep 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 dive. You know you don't even remember the line, but I'll tell you after. I went deep 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 in, and it's it's interesting. Okay, well everyone, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, download the episode because it's going to be so much fun. Anyone listen to it with your auntie, your cousin, Miss Bev, Auntie Winnie, all the girls. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on social media at Mango Tea Podcast on all social media platforms. And again, thank you for joining. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Thanks again, Dom. Thank you. All right. Bye, y'all. <laughs>